What's up, Liverpool faithful, and welcome to another episode of Yanks of the Cop. On today's episode, we have a lot to cover with Liverpool being in poor form, losses against Watford and Chelsea. Things did start moving in, in the right direction with a bounce-back win against Bournemouth, but there are still more levels available to this Liverpool team. We discuss all the games, the general mood surrounding the team, and discuss the roles the players and Klopp have had in this skid. We close out with a look ahead to our match against Atletico, as always, there's new transfer rumors to be addressed as well. I'm your host, Stephen Scanlon, alongside my brother, Andrew Scanlon. How are we doing tonight, Andrew? We're doing all right, man. We're doing all right. We're, uh, this is the last time we spoke. We have two losses under our belt now, one in league. Um, but I think every team during the season has a little dip in form, and this is ours right now. And I look forward to us bouncing back at home against Atletico. Yep, completely agree. And, um, you know, before we really dive into it, I just want to address the outrageous stuff that I was just seeing surrounding Liverpool in this last week or two. You know, everyone's acting like it's the end of the world. And just because we lose against a team like Watford and losing the FA Cup against Chelsea, uh, all of a sudden now we're not considered one of the best teams. You know, we're, we're now considered incredibly lucky to be where we are and all this stuff. And, like you said, it's absolutely bullcrap. I mean, this team, in my opinion, is just as good as any other good team out there. And it's like you said, we're, just, we're in a little bit of a rut right now. But especially when you look at that loss to Watford, I know we lost 3-0. to zero, <clears throat> But Watford's been a lot better than the relegation side that they have been so far this year. They just started off so, so bad. But ever since N- Nigel Pearson took over, that team has been playing a lot better. And they do have some good guys on that team. You know, Sar, really, that was his kind of coming out party. You know, Troy Dini is a professional. Then they have guys like De La Feu, Decore. So, you know, at the end of the day, it sucks to lose 3 nothing. But, um, you know, it could have come to a worse team. Yeah. No, uh, honestly, I, I've always been kind of a fan of Watford. I mean, they always play hard against you. I'm, I was very surprised at, uh, I guess, at the turn of the year that Watford was in the relegation battle. And like you said, they had been playing well against – Nigel Pearson to kind of dig them out of that a little bit, but they still, I think that they're still there um, even right now as we speak. But uh, no, I mean, this game was, was definitely, and Klopp knew it and the team knew it. It was going to always going to be a tough game at Watford. They're going to line up in a low block. And honestly, these guys came to play against us. They weren't fooling around. They have a very athletic midfield, very athletic uh, front three, particularly Saar and Delafeo. So, I mean, this is going to be a battle from right from the get-go. And uh, I wasn't surprised when I saw the first goal go in, uh, even though I think that that was a, a goal of our, of our making, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of three mistakes from, from the three uh, defensemen, but we'll get into that in a bit. But um, 3 nothing was definitely shocking. I thought that, you know, we went, uh, what was it, 44 games unbeaten or undefeated mm-hmm. and uh, 22 consecutive home wins at home. So, um I I was very, very surprised that we didn't have an answer for them. I mean, it, it just looked awful out there. And I don't think one person's to blame either. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of people that um, didn't play well, honestly. Like, you know, if, if we were able to potter it after this game, like I probably would not even wanted to do, you know, um, you know, player ratings because everybody, yeah. was, everybody was that bad. <laughs> like to be twos and threes. You. Yeah, it's terrible. And like possession, you know, we dominated possession in this game. It was 70% to 30%. We, you know... Uh, more than doubled their the amount of passes that they had, but they were just really efficient and they did something pretty similar to what has been kind of playing against Liverpool so far. 
You know, they really stacked the outsides, and uh, they went with a four-five-one. And you know, Atletico they lined up against uh, against us in a four-four-two, and I think um, you know West Ham as well. I think they did a four-four-two or a four-five-one. And you know, people are starting. Do you think people are starting to figure us out? Like, do you think we're going to see a lot more of this going forward? Um, no. I mean, I don't think anybody's really figured us out. I think that we have just. I think we've come against low blocks pretty much all season, and maybe even for the past three years um we've just recently been able to handle it especially with the start of last season where we had what 97 points so we definitely know how to beat teams um i just don't think we've played well ever since the southampton game which i think was february 1st the team has just looked like they're completely out of sorts um you know either winter break as well and um they just you know they play better as a team when they're kind of playing more games i think you know and they're constantly playing like the mondays and the wednesdays and then the saturdays you know they're just constantly in a fluid motion of of, of games of playing a lot of guys are getting 90 minutes so i just think they kind of lost that a little bit and that's what kind of the just dip in form has, has caused you know you're seeing very little fluency out there very little uh like risk taking they're very predictable, which yes. hasn't really been a Liverpool. I think we haven't seen that from this Liverpool side in a while. Um, and, but the thing is, too, you have, people forget this. Teams want to beat us, you know, especially <laughs> like, at, like when, before we lost to Watford, everybody wanted to give us that first loss. So they're constantly going to throw their best games at us. And, you know, they really, really want to beat the Reds. So, uh, no, I mean, I wasn't surprised that we didn't go undefeated. I think that's near impossible to do in this day and age. But, um, I mean, it was going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, exactly. And, like, we're still on pace to have more than 100 points in the season. So, I'm not too worried about that. I think for me, you know, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, is that when you think back to the beginning of the season, you know, when we were, you know, in our stride, you know, we did have a lot of 2-1 results at the beginning of the season. But that being said, the one thing that I, I remember talking to you about when the season started was when the game would start, Liverpool has pedaled to the metal from the get-go. And if teams started slow against us, we were going to put two or three away in the first 25, 30 minutes of the game. Pretty much ever since the turning of the new year and that winter break and everything, I feel like it's been the exact opposite for Liverpool now in that we are starting the games incredibly, incredibly slow. And it takes us now the first 20 minutes or so to get into rhythm in the game. And I think that does go into what you were mentioning with, yeah, everyone wants to beat Liverpool. Everyone wants to not be the first team to give us a loss. But I also think it maybe was a little bit with the, you know, the attitudes of the players and not, not so much that they're getting cocky, but just kind of thinking that like, listen, we can, we can turn the switch on at any time. So like not having that sense of urgency at the very beginning of the game was, is kind of my biggest takeaway from the last month or so is that we don't have that anymore. Yeah, but also when you have like that incredible run of form where you're just constantly winning games and you have one draw against United, I mean, you're bound to slip up eventually. It's it's so hard to stay at, like motivated and hungry for the win, and especially when you don't have the leadership out there like Milner and Henderson, you don't really have guys except for maybe Van Dyke who can rally the troops around around a certain individual. Um, so I mean, when you, when I look back at what was it? Uh, not last year, but the season before when Man City went on that incredible run of, I think, 18 games. They had a slip-up in form, too, when they lost to us. The next weekend, or the, I'm sorry, I think it was midweek, they lost to Manchester United in the, I think it was the FA Cup. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and then they lost in the Champions League. So, that's what happens when you go on this incredible run of form. 
you're eventually going to get exhausted. You know, it's like, there's so many incredible highs. There's bound to be some lows out there. But I think another part of it is that while we're continuing to start slow recently, especially after the new year is that we're in the second half of the season now. So, you know, teams are constantly lining up in a low block, especially the teams we've been playing recently. And who are those teams? They're the teams in the bottom half of the table that are fighting for relegation, or maybe even some teams that are fighting for a champions league spot or a um, Europa League spot. So they're constant. They're going to be really looking for a result here, and a tie against Liverpool is perfectly okay for them. So that's why I think it's mm-hmm. taken us a little while longer to kind of figure teams out when we start a match, um, you know, testing the waters a little bit. But um, I- I've noticed that we usually start the second half well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but against, the- against Watford, that definitely wasn't the case. <laughs> no, no. So poor just throughout. No, we really were. I mean, we we really were. For me, the biggest takeaway was I think this game might spell the end of Lovren at Liverpool and uh, a lot of his (laughs) game time because he was absolutely exposed. And listen, pretty much the entire team did not play well in this game. But even after the game, Troy Dini came out. I was like, yeah, listen, like after the first game, you know, we knew what their back line is. And when we saw Lovren on that team sheet, like I knew I was going to be attacking him the entire game. And... You know, Lovren's one of those guys, in my opinion, is very similar to like a Naby Keita and an Oxide Chamberlain, where he needs kind of a run of games to, you know, really find his form. And when he kind of just only has these one-off games, he he is prone to make, to make mistakes. He he did it last year. He's doing it again this year. And he also, anytime he opens his mouth, we always seem to lose after too. When he talks about how awesome our team is, and, like <laughs> That's I love, so true. Like I love his attitude, and like I love guys like that, but. Dude, at some at some point, man, you gotta realize, like, fuck, I keep jinxing my fucking team. Maybe I should keep my mouth shut. Yeah, chill out, man. And then he's coming out saying he's the best defender in the world. Like, all right, then you have kind of a shit season. But uh, no, I, I honestly, after this game, he he might be out of the squad. I mean, he's definitely fallen down the pecking order after that. But um, I think he's one hundred percent the scapegoat for all of our fans. Oh, definitely. Like when I was watching the Watford game. Um, I didn't think he was nearly as bad as everybody said he was. In the first half, when it was 0-0, I thought he played decently well, actually. Like, you know, he didn't make up many mistakes. Maybe he gave the ball away a few times, but everybody was poor. So I don't think he really stood out for me. Um, he definitely can get rattled, and that was Troy Deeney's whole goal in this. But when you said that he targeted Lovren, that's what every team would do in that situation. You're not going to oh, target yeah. Van Dyke. No, Van no. Dyke's the best defender in the world. Not going to target him. You're going to go after the wink link. And let's not forget, Trent Alexander Arnold didn't exactly have his best showing either. He was getting burned by uh, Gerard De La Feu in that, in that first 15, 20 minutes before he went off injured. I think it was actually a blessing for Trent that he went off injured because he was not doing well against him. Mm-hmm. He was cutting inside like it was his job. And clearly it is his job. No, you're right. And I think for me too, what like the, the biggest takeaway for me in this game, like it was the three of Dejan Lovren, Trent Alexander Arnold, and Fabinho. Because when <sighs> when when Trent's at his best and when our team is at their best defensively, it's when we have Gomez covering Alexander Arnold and then Henderson in that role kind of you know being like you know, Henderson's also that little line of defense if somebody cuts in. Mm-hmm. Not not having those two guys really, I think, highlighted that issue. And not having the pace of Gomez to cover for Alexander-Arnold and Fabinho just not having that same form from before his injury and just not really being the same player coming back from that injury. 
I think all those things just combined itself and that that's why Deofeu was able to just absolutely torch him for that first 20, 25 minutes there. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that. But I think going back to Lovren real quick, he's kind of like he's kind of like that friend who like when you're out partying all night and you all kind of get into a little bit of mischief or a little bit of trouble, he's the friend who actually gets arrested. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he's like everybody else gets off scot free. Oh, we're fine. Let's just go home. Have a good night. Go to bed or whatever. Lovren's in jail and he's fucking screwed. So like that's the general sense I get from him. Every time he has a little bit of a bad game. Uh, people get on his back, and uh, this definitely was reminiscent of uh, that game against Spurs when he just got smoked by Harry Kane. But, um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, Lovren, like everyone gets kicked out of the bar for being too drunk, and then Lovren gets arrested for pissing on the building after. You know what yeah, I mean? That's, that's that guy. That's, yeah, that's, that's him. That's exactly. That guy. Yeah. So, but honestly, at the end, like after we lost that game, to be honest with you, you know, I was disappointed at first because obviously, when you have a chance to go. Um, when you have a chance to go invincible, that's really cool. And I don't, as much as I wanted it to happen, I didn't think, you know, a lot like you, I didn't think it was actually feasible. I mean, you look at the, that invincible team that stunned it, they tied nine games. So it's like, you know, it's not yeah. like, it's not like they only tied one or two. Like it's a really tough thing to get results, even against these bottom teams. Um, but for me, after the game, almost, I was just like, you know what, this is going to be a blessing in disguise for us because now yeah. we don't have the pressure of, shit you know like we have to put in our best performance in the league you know game in and game out because now you know it's pretty much clinched at this point we only need six more points to take the title home and I was really looking forward to wow you know what now we can really focus on the FA Cup really focus on the Champions League and kind of just use the Premier League just to you know keep guys fit and have some other guys get some minutes who haven't gotten minutes and that's why I was so disappointed with our loss against Chelsea in the FA Cup kind of moving on to that game um Al, uh, man, I'm really worried about not having Allison. I know Adrian's been solid, but that first goal, man, like you, you got to do better than that. Yeah, but he did have an incredible save on another William shot just prior to that. And so I don't, I don't absolutely blame Adrian for that goal. He definitely should have saved it. I don't know why the hell he was trying to catch it. And actually, if you notice in the next game against Bournemouth, he faced a similar shot. I forget yep. who took the shot. Maybe Callum Wilson, but. I forget who took the shot, but he literally he punched it instead of trying to do anything else. He just punched it away and was like, "Okay, that was much better." Mm-hmm. But that first goal by William was actually all Fabinho's fault. He got caught in possession, had to lunge for it, and literally pass the ball right to Fabinho, who just ripped the shot. So, I mean, I don't completely blame that on Adrian. Um, do I have faith or confidence in Adrian going forward? Yeah, hundred percent. He had a great start to the season when Allison went out injured. Um, and especially against Atletico Madrid, I don't think that we're gonna, that we're going to be facing too many shots. So I think that Adrian will be fine. I think you know maybe one, two, three shots on target for Atletico Madrid if they're lucky. Um, so I think he can handle that. Yeah, I think. I mean, overall, I think he can too. But I'm just worried. I'm just worried about his distribution too. You know, uh, I think that's one of the biggest things with Allison and what makes him really good is kind of being a little bit of a sweeper keeper um, type of a mentality. Um, so I, I'm just worried about, um, Adrian coming off his line because there's going to be times in this game, especially against Atletico where they're going to have the counterattack's going to be on at some point. And there might be a time where, um, Adrian has to decide, am I going to come off my line or not? And that's kind of when I'm a little bit worried, um, for him. Cause I think Allison is a little bit more aggressive than he is. Yeah. But I mean, if something like that happens, I think we have bigger problems. Cause that means that, uh, 
uh, Alec, not Alexander Arnold, Gomez or, or Van Dyke are very out of position. Uh, and that's actually what you saw in that Watford game. I mean, that was, I don't think that second goal was Lovren's fault. I actually thought it was Van Dyke's fault because he was so out of position. But um, no, I mean, I, I have complete faith in Adrian. He's, he's a, he's, I think he's one of the best backup keepers in the league, to be honest. Um, he has a cool head. He, you know, he started for West Ham for, I don't know how many years. Um, and yeah, his distribution on his punts and his goal kicks probably isn't as good as Allison's, which is world-class, but I think it's decent enough to get the job done, especially against an Atletico Madrid team that likely won't be out of position or won't be count on a counterattack, won't be uh, caught on a counterattack. So, um, I don't think his distribution will be a big problem. All right, well, that makes one of us. Uh, that's good. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, kind of going back to the Chelsea game, you know, I was really excited when I saw the lineup because, you know, it was a, it was a perfect mixture of a few starters, a few uh, bench guys, and a couple of young guys. Like, it was awesome to see Nico Williams in there and Curtis Jones. I thought they were two of our better players on the field today to be uh, in that game, to be honest with you. But, again, you know, it, it's, the, the trend between the Watford game and the Chelsea game was the same thing. Our midfield did nothing, and our front three was just a pass or two off and not clicking. And that's now been the case now for about ever since we lost to Atletico. That's mm. pretty much been the story is that and we talk about it all the time with our starting front three that something just seems a little bit off there. Monty's passes are a little bit sloppy. Firmino can't score a goal at home. And, you know, and even Salah, like he finally got on the score sheet against Bournemouth, but. You know, he really wasn't creating a lot and getting the separation that he usually gets. So, I mean, are you concerned with kind of the front six and, like, how they've been playing the last month? Yeah, I mean, so my my biggest concern is Fabinho. I just think that um, when he started this season, he, a lot of people were giving him shouts to be player of the year. And the Fabinho that came back from that ankle injury has not been the same Fabinho that we saw in the beginning of the season. I don't know if it's his confidence. I don't know if he's still getting used to the speed of play. Um, I'm not, I don't know if he's maybe uh, worried about that little nagging injury of his ankle coming back to haunt him. I don't know what it is, but he's lost that aggressiveness. Um, he doesn't look as composed on the ball either. You know, he's, I find him constantly kind of passing the ball back to Van Dyke and Gomez or maybe doing the sideway passes that a lot of people gave Hendo shit about for so many years. But uh, he, he's my biggest concern. But uh, then going, going to the front three, my biggest concern out of them is Sadio Mane. He's another player that we were <laughs> Liverpool fans were saying, oh, this guy's going to be player of the year. He deserves it. Um, I still think it should be Kevin De Bruyne, even though yeah. I, I hate City. But um, Mane's passes have been incredibly off. He can't find his touch at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he isn't sharp. He, I, I don't think he's really lost his confidence. I just think, again, this is kind of like a trend of the whole Liverpool team or a theme of the whole Liverpool team and that he, he's just lost form completely. Hopefully that goal will kind of sprout a little uh, excitement in him and, you know, get the form back going for the Atletico game. But um, his dip in form has definitely been a cause of concern for me. In terms of Firmino, um, I, I told you this the other day, you can still watch him in the game and he's still just working his ass off mm-hmm. he hasn't been controlling the ball nearly as well or retaining possession uh, he definitely missed a sitter against Bournemouth oh yes he did yeah that was an unbelievable play by Lalana, by the way mm-hmm. but um, he just seems to be lacking that attacking prowess and um, you know he definitely still has those defensive qualities you know winning the ball back or whatever 
but uh, if he could just clean up that little bit of uh, uh, lack in form, I think he'll definitely benefit from it. Um, and then Salah, well, actually, Firmino has always kind of had these little dips in forms, uh, form throughout the season anyway. So yeah. I think this is somewhat expected to uh, somewhat uh, of a degree. But And then Salah, I thought Salah actually improved a lot against Bournemouth. He was definitely one of my players of the game. Um, one thing I noticed in the game, and I said this to you at the Phoenix, was that he was actually the one in this game who was coming back and trying to retrieve the ball more mm-hmm. yeah. rather than Firmino. Firmino was actually staying up top. And I think that they're understanding or trying to utilize Salah's playmaking ability. While he hasn't been on recently, that guy, he can switch the field very well. Not as good as Alexander-Arnold, obviously, but like he can switch the ball to Robertson pretty easily or Mane or whatever. Um, and he had a lot of assists that opening season with us. Um, so that's just something I noticed that they, maybe they're trying to switch things up a little bit, become a little more unpredictable against Bournemouth with yeah. Salah. No, and I, I think your assessment with that whole thing was pretty was pretty ideal. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah, I mean, you actually know you actually know what you're doing. I'm surprised, <laughs> but um, I mean, the only, the only other person that I want to talk about who you know amongst the starters is, is Joe Gomez because he's been getting a little bit of slack from people, and you know, as a center back myself, you know, I've kind of noticed that his positioning has been off at times. Um, yeah, and I think he just you know obviously he's still young, you know, just get, you know getting accustomed to it, but again, I, I think he relies on his pace too much and he gets a little bit excited when trying to go forward and stuff like that. Cause you know, you think like you look at a guy like Mati, but I feel like it's like once a game when he plays there, he makes one of those runs from the, you know, with the ball, like through the midfield. Yeah. And I think Gomez has like, has tried to do that sometimes. And he, he's getting pulled way out of positions, like uh, on numerous occasions. And a lot of times it doesn't come back to bite us in the butt. But against top-level teams, you cannot continue to do that. So that's just another thing I'm kind of keeping an eye on going forward to see if he can have a little bit more discipline because we're going to need that. Yeah, I think it's also his distribution too. I mean, he, that's why he's not that great of a right back because he, he's great defensively. He can shut down the opposing winger, but he can't do anything going forward, which plays right into the opposing team's hand. Mm-hmm. Um, like something I noticed in the Bournemouth game was that he – was trying to get the ball to Trent pretty often, but was not confident enough to try to curl it around their front winger. So he would always find himself either passing the ball back to Van Dyke or trying to give it to Fabinho. Uh, and I don't think he has the confidence either to switch the field like Van Dyke does. I mean, we are, he is sitting next to Van Dyke, who's like the best center back in the world. So his uh, faults are definitely going to be shown a little bit more. Um, but no, this, you gotta remember he's 22 years old. He's still 22. Like he's still learning how to play the game. Everybody thinks he's like, Oh, he's 27. You know, people just think he is like, cause he has so much experience in the premier league now that he's mm-hmm. like this, uh, seasoned veteran, but he's still, he's still young, man. He's still figuring it out. So, uh, I'm still confident in him, man. I'm still confident. Yeah, no, me too. And I think that he has definitely has a bright future. And I think, you no, know, if he plays well the rest of the season, and he can get some more confidence underneath him like he had at the beginning. Mm. And then um, and then carry that into the Euros. Like, that could be huge for him. Uh, absolutely huge. So, we'll kind of keep an eye on that. But, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about with this recent dip in the form is, do you think that these recent performances have highlighted the need for Liverpool to have that creative midfielder? Um, well, that's tough. So I think we kind of have some creative midfielders. Uh I think that if we get Timo Warner, that Fabinho or Firmino could drop back and be the 10. 
Uh, I think that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has that capability. I think Nabi Keita has that capability. You have a bunch of guys that could play that role. Maybe uh, Minamino could play that role. Sadio Mane plays a 10, I think, for his country. So, I mean, you have a lot of guys that could fill that void. I don't know if we need to go out and spend big like uh, Kai Havertz, uh, like 100 million plus just for an attacking midfielder. Um, but I, I don't know. What do you think? I so I think it did highlight that that need for us. I I, I fully do because um, I look at a guy like Ox and I see Ox as more of a as more of a runner. You know, he's a guy that when he, when he beats you, he's gonna beat you with a with his pace. Just make one move and go. And then you have Nabi Keita, in my opinion, is more of the opposite. He's a little bit slower with his possession, but he's more like he's more like tricky. You know what I mean? So he he tries to do numerous moves and kind of beat you a little bit slower and like a couple of creative passes here and there. Yeah, and I I think what we need is kind of like a hybrid between the two, and also somebody that we can rely on to you know play game in and game out because you know guys like Ox and Kaita they need games to you know to play, but it's also sometimes the matchup doesn't make sense to play one of them or the other one, or they're injured, or or they're injured exactly. So I think we you may need to look at something yeah to address whether it's one or two those two guys, but we know Havertz is probably out of their price range. Same thing with Sancho, but one thing I'd keep an eye on, especially with the signing of Minamino, like for me, like I don't care what what Minamino does the rest of this year. Like I don't care at all. Anything that we get is great. Like I want, I want to see him get a full preseason with this team, really working, um, you know, with this team for like another six months and see what he can do for us next year. Because I get the feeling mm-hmm. that if we only bring in um, Timo Werner and then maybe you know a, a couple smaller pieces like an outside back, something like that. I could really see us changing formations to a four-two-three-one, having having Werner in the nine and having Firmino in the ten. And I think that could solve some of those problems. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with that. I mean, Firmino kind of already plays a ten role anyway. If you, I looked at his heat map for the Bournemouth game the other day, and it was literally like all over the uh, the opposing uh, team's pit, side of the pitch. Like he literally covers the entire half it's ridiculous i mean when you look at someone like sergio aguero or harry kane they're kind of just in that like middle role for the most part you know around the box he is everywhere constantly switching with mane and salah constantly coming back and getting the ball from van dyke you know he's so that's just kind of his role already so I, i mean i wouldn't be opposed to that at all yeah i think that'd be great i think it'd really be good and i think another thing too i wanted to touch on that i think the chelsea game brought out was Two pretty good performances from our young guys, Curtis Jones and Nico Williams. And I I think that with especially what these two have done just throughout the entire year for for the first team when they've played, I think they've both earned the right to be in the squad next year. Uh you know, what what are your thoughts? Because I thought Curtis Jones was one of our best players against Chelsea. Uh I'm gonna kind of disagree with you on Curtis Jones. I thought he played okay against Chelsea. I thought he had some good flashes, definitely. Um but he was going against – I mean, he's going against Billy Gilmore or whatever the hell his name is, and he, that kid is just absolutely phenomenal. And I do think that Jones was one of the reasons why that second goal happened. He, he got that pass from Van Dyke and basically just tried to turn into the guy, so I don't know what the hell he was doing there. But, um, no, I think he's definitely one of the bright spots uh, of, of the academy. He'll de- he definitely should make the team next year, should be with the first team, I think, for the whole season. Um, but I think Nico Williams is the best kid coming out of the U23s. He definitely showed a lot of composure, positional awareness in this game against Chelsea. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. The one little thing I think he needs to work on is his pace. 
Like, he, yes. has, he has no pace. Like, yeah. I saw him a few times trying to beat, uh, I think it was Pedro down the wing. I mean, Pedro's quick anyway. But you got to – he needs to get a little get a little quicker, build up a little more muscle. I mean, he's only 18. But uh, I think once he gets that, he's really going to start putting Trent under pressure. Because that kid can defend. He's a great defender. Oh, yeah, he's great. No, and, and he was more than solid against Chelsea too. Um, you know, the, the thing to me – the biggest thing for me that and the thing I like about Curtis Jones is that I just think he gives us a little bit more, you know, going forwards. And I think that's what we need oh, right 100%. now. You know what I mean? Because like you, you look at these games that we lost, I think we had one shot on target against Watford. Um, and I think we only had like three or four against Chelsea. And that's so unlike this team. We usually have eight, nine shots on target, 10 shots on target throughout the game. So, I mean, it kind of goes back to just the front three, not, not clicking Totally, but I think all this is just kind of – it all goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Like, not having a go-to creative midfielder, the front three just being a little bit of like out of sync. And even the game against Bournemouth, I think we only had something like, what, I think like five shots on target. Um, yeah, yeah six, six shots on target. So, it's just like I I just want us to, I want us to be a little bit more clinical like we were at the beginning of the season. And I think a guy like Curtis Jones has that capability to bring that to the table. Yeah, I hope – I mean – I hope he is. I just I, I find it worrisome if we're trying to rely on a kid who's eighteen or nineteen or however old he is for next season coming in. You know, um, I could be wrong though. You know, maybe he really develops under Klopp into the preseason next year, and he's a guy off the bench. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he does have that that dynamic that can just change a game. Um, but I, dude, I'm a Nabby guy. I'm an Ox guy. I definitely want to see them excel. And uh, having them always injured is is tough. To, is tough to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, you know, last thing I wanted to cover with the Bournemouth game too was just um, really good to see Salah get back on the score sheet. I feel like it's been a while. Yep. Um, and that pass by Mane, it was awful. And shit. the way that Salah was able to recover, so shit. You know, make the defender and beat the goalie near post. Good, good goal uh, in the end. But oh, um, again, me and you were at the bar freaking out. We were like, oh, here comes a goal, and that shit, shit, shit pass. <laughs> Um, again, just kind of highlights some of the problems that we're having right now. Yeah, no, I thought it was a great goal by Salah. Like I said, he was almost my man in the match. I think uh, gave it to Millie at the end, but um, definitely a great goal by him. That that was a finish that he would have scored, you know, all of last year and the season before with ease. Um, but recently, with the front threes dipping form, um, I, I was actually somewhat surprised that he was able to pull that off. But uh, let's not forget, I think Salah has like either 16 or 17 goals at the moment, um, which is 16. Yeah. Which is one behind the one behind Vardy. I think Uh, it was until Vardy scored two today. Shit. Yeah. Okay. So he's three (laughs) behind Vardy, but still like he's a golden boot contender right now. And people are saying that he's absolute shit basically. So I think again, this goes back to that narrative of Salah being underappreciated. Um, so, I mean, I love seeing on the, him on the score sheet. I love seeing him get back in form. So, hopefully, he can continue this uh, this little go, goal run. He is not even just – even with Liverpool fans and just an entire Premier League and that football universe, he is so underrated. I mean, in 100, ga- in 100 games for Liverpool, he has 70 goals. No one's ever done that for the team. And it's just like you, you look at what he's done over three years now, and there's no other, t- there's no other person that's done that. You know, he it's very impressive – Everyone always says like, yeah, someone in the front three, like, if somebody has to go, I want to be Salah. Like, no, this guy's really freaking good. So like, stop with the slander. I'm done with it. 
yeah, I think it would be very hard to find someone with uh, with solid attacking prowess in the in the transfer market. I mean, maybe like Mbappe. Uh, I mean, I don't even think Jaden Sancho scores as many goals as Salah does. So, no. I mean, the guy is the guy's world class. He's a world class mm-hmm. player. So, I want to see mm-hmm. them stick together. Yeah, but um, you know, another thing too that I've kind of noticed too, and me and you talked about it a lot is that we're keeping possession, which is awesome. You know, I think in every game we've had at least 55, even 55%, even in the losses. Mm. But we're moving the ball so slow. Like, there's times when we're doing two passes when one like, – if we just hit it one time, we had way more space and had way more room to move. But I know this that's something that you're really passionate about, so why don't you dive in there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you said in the Bournemouth – no, the Watford game that we had 70% – possession right something like that yep well i would say probably about 60 percent of that was just between the center backs Mm -hmm. just constantly moving the ball between them um and there's so many there's so many instances where they have the opportunity to skip say van dyke has the ball you have the he has the opportunity to skip gomez and go all the way to trent alexander arnold it should be a pretty easy pass for him and it gets to the defense moving that way and they try to get over there as soon as they can because they want to stop Trent's ability going forward so what does that do that tires them out and it isn't much running for us make the ball do the work like when that Santi Cazola what no not Santi Cazola the goal the dream begins the guy punts the ball has the kid run after it and he goes how did why didn't you get there that fast and he goes oh because I, I probably should have passed the ball so I mean if you pass the ball it's way more effective than trying to sprint to the uh, to the other side Mm-hmm. So I think that hat needs to happen more and more, you know, even with the midfield. And that's why I think we're really being, that's where we're, I think we're really being exposed because when you don't have someone like Jordan Henderson, Jeannie when all of them hates taking that pass. Jeannie like one of them likes taking the pass over to his other midfield players. Doesn't like to skip a guy or back to Van Dyke. Fabinho doesn't have the confidence at, at the moment to do it. So he's not going to do it. The only one who can do it right now is Jordan Henderson. I'm praying to God that he plays in the athletic game. I think he trained today or yesterday as well. So hopefully he'll play because we, God knows we need him. Yeah. I mean, let's just dive into the athletic athletic game now, but yeah, I was reading uh, articles today and, you know, today's Monday that, yeah, um, he's on, he's on track to play on, on Wednesday and that's huge for us. You know, my question for you is what would be your midfield? Assuming Henderson's available, who would be your three? My three would likely be so I think Milner's gonna be playing left back. Unfortunately, I think Robertson's gonna miss this game, so Milner would be left back, uh, which is great. I actually I'm kind of glad that that's gonna be the case because he's a leader, and we need him in the side. I don't know. Did you see that clip of him in the pregame for Watford? Oh Watford, yeah, talk, that was awesome. I was like, this is what we've been missing. Oh, Bournemouth. It was against Bournemouth. It was against Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. like the in the pre in the uh, pregame warmups. But uh, I would probably go – I think you have to go with Fabinho still. He's a big body, uh, can defend corners, can get up there in the attack, and uh, hopefully he'll just be jacked up for this game. I mean, it's at Anfield, and it's going to be crazy. Uh, I would put Hendo in there, obviously. And then, honestly, I think you have to go with either I – I think he might go with Ox, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because Ox has been playing decently well, and Naby hasn't played at all. So uh, I think that'll be the midfield three. What so, do you think? Uh, so I agree. If Robertson doesn't play, Milner will be at left back. If Robertson yeah. is able to play, obviously Robertson starts there. 
if yep. Robertson's available, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Klopp go at the midfield that he loved last year in the Champions League, a midfield of Henderson, Milner, and Genie Wijnaldum. I would not be surprised to see that at all. Um, so that's actually my prediction, is that I think that's going to be the midfield because I think Milner, fresh legs, he and Henderson just bombing all over the place, allow Genie to stay uh, a little bit higher. I think that might be a good thing. I also wouldn't be surprised, though, if uh, if Ox gets in there. I don't think it's going to be Kaita. Um, for me, it's either Ox or Milner. But I, I, wouldn't, like, I don't know if Fabinho is going to start, man. He, his, his form has been so poor the last month or so. And I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can trust him. Yeah, but in this game, I don't think Fabinho. Um, I don't think he'll be targeted as much. I mean, we're going to have so much of the ball. They're just going to be defending for their lives the entire time. We're going to be on top of them in their half the entire game. So I don't think Fabinho will have to do much offensively. I think he'll just be there, kind of as an anchor. But um, no, the good thing about having Miller on the pitch, whether it's left back or in the center of the park. He is going to put in a crunching tackle in the beginning of the game. Oh, yeah. Mark my words. He's going to put in an absolute crunching tackle. The guy might go off fucking injured. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's something that we were missing. Yeah. You know, once Henderson goes off, I mean, he doesn't really do that too often and put in the crunching tackle. Fabinho used to do it before he got injured, but uh, that's what we've been missing. We've been missing that intensity. So I hope that really is shown with uh, with Milner coming back into the line. Yeah, so that's why I would go with Milner over Fabinho because we're not going to need him so much defensively. We're just going to want somebody who can bust his ass, you know, up and down the pitch, and then just yeah, just be mean and be aggressive. And I think Milner can be that guy. So I don't know. Klopp has an interesting choice to make. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But you know, mid, uh, another thing I'm kind of keeping an eye on is that Atletico as a whole hasn't been great. Um, you know, pretty much since they beat us. I mean, they, they're coming off of two draws back-to-back. So, and now this game's at Anfield. Uh, you know, Ralph Felix left the last game with cramps. He's saying that he should be okay, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play. You know, Diego Costa still, you know, working his way back from injury. So, we might see Morata again up top. It's, it's you know, I, I think we're, we could be playing them at a really good time right now. Yeah, I mean, they're probably saying the same thing about us, though, to be honest. True. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I completely agree with you. I actually think that uh, Atletico will probably line up the exact same way that we played against them. I think Morata gets the start. He'll just be sitting up top trying to, you know, uh, piss off Van Dyke, I mean, which would be very difficult to do. But, you know, just trying to give them a run. But, uh, no, I think they line up exactly the same. The th- key thing for me is try to keep the ball away from Tomas in the middle their center defensive mid. He was absolutely solid at Atletico. But um, let's let's remember, I don't think Atletico has been doing too well away from home either. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that'll be the case in this game. Hopefully Anfield's up for it. Hopefully the boys are up for it. I know Klopp's going to be up for it. So Yeah, the boys will definitely be up for it. Uh, you know, Atletico was nice enough to give us a bunch of bulletin board material. So the yes. boys are definitely going to be Fuck ready. Them. Yeah, the, the boys are definitely going to be ready to go out and make a statement. And I think Anfield, too, you know, it's a European night. And, um, you know, we saw what they did against Barcelona last year. And I think, you know, there's something to be said about that crowd on the European night when we need to have them. They always tend to show up. And hopefully that can, you know, have our boys raise their level back to what we know it can be. And we had the early game this weekend. We were playing at noon over in the UK. That's true. So that also plays a, fa- plays a factor because I think Atletico had the night game. So, you know, they go to bed right away. Usually I think after a Premier League match, they'll do like a little cool down afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or, you know, they'll do a cool down for Sunday, maybe even part of Monday, and then they'll have full training tomorrow. So maybe Monday, Tuesday, they have full training, depending on who played or not. But no, I think, I think this lines up perfectly for us. The Reds will be up for it, baby. They better be. They better be. So, you know, what that takes us to now is just the season as a whole. So, you know, we're, we're now out of the FA Cup, obviously. Um, and now our backs are against the wall um, at Anfield in the second leg. Question for you is, you know, do you consider if we only win the Prem this year, do you, do you consider that failure of, this, uh, of a season? No, it's definitely not failure. We didn't just win the Prem either. We won the Super Cup and the Club World Cup. So we'll still have three trophies under our belt. It's not a failure at all. No, I agree. But, I agree. I mean, there seems to be a lot of people saying, you know, again, this kind of goes back to just this last week of form that because we've been playing this bad, it, you know, it takes something away from this team. And I find it bullshit. If you were to tell me at the beginning of the season, hey, man, like you're going to win the Premier League by 25 points or whatever it's going to be. Um, and and then, you know, when when the, um, the Super Cup and the UEFA Cup, um, you know, is that something that yeah. is, is that something that's that you would do? Absolutely. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. So I just don't yeah. understand. I mean, obviously things change throughout the year, but at the end of the day, we're still Premier League champions for the first time in 30 years. I'll take that any day of the week. So that would see, we will now be the last English team to win the Premier League and probably the last English team to win the Champions League. So what the fuck are people going to say to us now? <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. No, I think, I think the thing is, though, I don't want them to go out in the round of 16 to Atletico Madrid. Yeah, Atletico Madrid are a great side, but I hoped that they would at least, at least reach the quarterfinals or the semifinals for that. So if we did, I'm not saying we're going to. I, I truly believe that we're going to go through it. But if we did lose to Atletico being out of the Champions League in March and then clinching the title also, I think, in March, if we, if we win at Palace, I think it, if we win at Palace and Everton, uh, we would clinch the title in March. So – it would just be kind of like a dull end to the season because, you know, you come out in May, who knows how the rest of the games go. Maybe we win the rest. Maybe we lose a couple, but it just wouldn't be as climactic as like last season was when, you know, we beat Barcelona so epically and we took city all the way to the end of the line of the title race. Uh, so I think this is just like a little bit of a letdown because we're on such a fine run of form. So I'm just, I, I mean, if, if we win against a lot of Atletico, I think it's, it's, it's a phenomenal season. It's a phenomenal Same. season regardless. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think that people are just feeling a little, um, not, not, uh, not worried about it, but just, you know, a little disappointed if we, if we go out um, of the Champions League and we, and we win the title in, in March. It's just like, oh, great season, and then you have to still finish it, you know. Yeah, exactly. But the, the only good thing that would come out of that, is more, you know, for the team and for Klopp to really see, like, okay, like, now we can give guys like Minamino a run of games. You can give, you know, Origi a run of games. Um, you know, Ox and Nabi Kaita, Nico Williams, Curtis Jones, they can start getting more time with the team. So, that's, like, yeah, a do one. You, do, you, do, you keep, do you keep Origi? Uh, um. I think if you bring in, I think if you bring in Timo Werner, I mean, yeah, why not? Because I think he's a guy that is – he knows what his role is and he's pretty good at it. I know recently he hasn't had his form, but, but he, if we, if we're able to bring in a guy like Timo Werner, he'd literally be our fourth or fifth, sixth option at this point uh, as a forward. And like, he can come in and make an impact. And I think this also is going to give him more flexibility to, you know, he'll play some games out wide, play some games up top. And I think if he's cool with sticking with this role, then yeah, I might as well keep him because we know it works. You're talking about Origi, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you definitely keep him, man. I mean, last season, even the beginning of this season when he was scoring goals, people were lauding him as, as the GOAT, obviously in a joking manner, a comical manner. But, uh, I mean, this kid, he's a stud, dude. Like, he, honestly, since the turn of the year, he ha- I don't think he's really played too many games. I think the front three were really getting the bulk of those games. So, I mean, he's come off the bench pretty damn cold. Uh, maybe, maybe he puts him in the back of the net against Atletico. I don't know. But he definitely has quality to him. He's a big body. I think Klopp has also been kind of playing him out of position, especially out wide. So get him back in the middle of the park and uh, see what he can do. I, I say keep him for sure. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, we're playing at uh, at Everton this weekend, so who knows? Maybe he'll have another uh, fantastic goal for the score oh, for us. God, that was so fun. Absolute beauty. And he's playing the right goalie too. You know, T Rex arms, Pickford. You know, it's the perfect guy to go against. So. <laughs> Guy's a bum. Guy's trash. He's a bum. But. Um, uh, that pretty much wraps up our coverage of the three games, but uh, some new stories did come out. This actually just broke before we started potting. Syria um, suspends play for a month uh, because of the coronavirus. Um, obviously, their situation is significantly worse than it is in the UK. I think they have it's either over a thousand or ten thousand cases in Italy, and it's only about three hundred cases in in the UK. But Pretty scary stuff going on out there right now. Yeah, I'm actually – so I saw that they're definitely um, – I don't even know if they're going to be – I think they completely suspended play, right? Yeah. They're not just playing – No, it's literally So my suspended. question – What? Yeah, it's completely suspended for a month. Yeah, completely suspended, yeah. So my question is, what does that mean for the Champions League? Will, like, Juventus still play behind closed doors for that game? Because that will just be next week. Well, that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out, too, and I haven't really seen anything about it. Cause, yeah, or they teams, play on a neutral site. Yeah, like... that's the thing. Is like, and I know for a fact, like, um, at, at Atlanta, they're supposed to, their next game is supposed to be home in the Champions League. So I don't know if they delay that game or if they – That's tomorrow, I think. Yeah, so I, it's going to be interesting to see what they do or if they have to go to a neutral field or something. But – I don't know. It's really scary stuff. And I think I think the UK will be okay until the end of the season. But you know that brings in you know the Euros and as those still going to happen yeah. and you know, pretty scary stuff. So I hope everyone out there you know, take your precautions. Always wash your hands. Don't touch anything that you know you shouldn't be touching. And you know, always make sure you shower and you get home and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically do everything that you should be doing anyway. Well, dude, I've taken like three showers today. I've just gone to the store like a couple times because as you know, I have to work from home now because. You know, there was a case in Boston, so I have to work from home until the foreseeable future. So I left the house yeah. like three times, and I took a shower when I got home all three times. So kind of funny, but um, anyways, that kind of not to uh, just get off on the tangent there, but um, there was a couple <laughs> of things in the, tra- the transfer gossip that I wanted to cover. So a guy that we were linked to, something that we've talked about in the past, um, you know, Cantwell from um, uh, from Norwich. Yeah, his price tag is around 30 mil. And I was surprised to hear that that might be too rich of a, a price tag for Liverpool because I thought that would be right in our wheelhouse. Who said that? Who said it was too rich? Uh, I wanted to say, I thought it was James Pierce, but I could be wrong. It might have been somebody else. But I saw it came out saying that Liverpool might be out on conversations because they think a 30 million price tag is a little high. Yeah, that could just be, you know, transfer talk, you know, trying to negotiate at the table. Um, but <laughs> Cantwell has. He might have like the biggest dick out there. Like, did you see that fucking PK that he took against? Uh, fuck, who was it against? Uh, I forget who it was against in the FA Cup, but he took a PK and absolutely roofed it. Mm-hmm. It was so sick, and he just like walked off like it was no big deal at all. It's a big dick swinging right there. But no, I, I uh, thirty million. 
honestly, I think he's proven himself to be a pretty damn good player in the Prem. Maybe it is a little too high, but that's kind of how this transfer market when uh, this transfer market goes nowadays. Teams are going to inflate the prices of their players. So, uh, especially a team like Norwich, who will definitely need the money since they're going to get relegated. But um, no, I mean, I, I honestly would pay it, especially with all of the our guys that are probably going to be on the way out. Yeah, I mean, for me, like if you can bring in Timo Werner for fifty, Cantwell for thirty, and then you have like. I don't know. You go get a guy like uh, I'll talk about him in a second. Aaron Cresswell, we've been linked to outside back for uh, for West Ham. You know, he may be a, a solid backup that you could probably pay eight million pounds for something like that to be a backup for Robertson. I mean, I think with everything going out, we're going to have Alana going out, probably Lovren going out, um, Shakiri. Shakiri going out. So, you know, ninety million for all those guys, I think would be pretty good. And I don't think thirty million, especially for a young player like Cantwell, who has a ton of upside, I think it's a great value. So, really, kind of yeah. confused about that. But that actually brings me to uh, to Jared and Shakiri, and I think I texted you about this. But they're saying that the starting price this summer for him, they're going to start negotiations at twenty five mil for any transfer. I think we brought him in for eleven. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I actually think that's way too high. Um, I mean, like they always say, like, buy low, sell high. But um, I, I, I think it's definitely too high for sure. He's, has, he's like, barely played this year. He's had continuous uh, calf problems. I mean, he's not getting any younger. How old is he? I think he's, like, four, uh, 30, maybe. Shakiri. He's 28. So, next year, he'll be 29 in October. Um, so, I mean, he's getting up there in age. Clearly, he's injury prone. I'd be very surprised if we got $25 million for him. But you, hey, never count out Michael Edwards. That guy is an absolute magician at the negotiating table. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. What do you think? Do you think we'll get twenty five for him? I mean, his talent is good enough for that price tag, no question about it. But, yeah, he's got to stay healthy. You know, but availability is an, is an ability, and he doesn't have that right now. And I think we could have used him, and we, we could use him against a team like Atletico and that kind of a thing. But – when he comes back from injury, you can't even trust him because you know next week in practice he's going to get hurt again. So it's just, you know, I think he's a little bit too bulky. You know, you, you, you look like a, a guy like Treore. He might be getting too bulky now too, but like Shakiri, you know, he's got these massive calves, and I feel like he pulls his calf muscle every other day. Yeah. So kind of disappointed. Down. Yeah, he's definitely Maybe you should get like elective, elective calf surgery. <laughs> Johnny Drama. <laughs> Johnny Drama. Uh, so good, so good. But – um, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover. Is there anything you wanted to add before we let these people go? Uh, just talking about Cresswell real quick. I would just, I didn't realize how he, I didn't realize that he's 30 years old. So he'll be 31 in December and clearly he's still a great player. I mean, if he's willing to join the Reds as a backup for Robertson or, or even Trent, um, I definitely think he's, he would be a great buy. I don't know if you heard it, what he would be going for. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sound being it would be. I mean, I yeah. I would still prefer a guy like Aaron's or or Lewis from from Norwich, but yeah. you know, a guy like Cresswell might be the perfect bridge to the guy like Larushi. You know, who who I think we both like. Um, you know, our youngster left back. Um, he might be the perfect guy. So hey, we'll give Larushi some more time to develop. Um, Cresswell would just be a perfect backup guy. You know, just to you know be on the bench for every single game, but then maybe only start all the FA Cups or whatever. I think that'd be a perfect, perfect guy just to bridge us for a couple of years until LaRouche is really ready to make the squad. Yeah, I wonder what that means for Milner. I mean, if he'll, if he'll just be a backup for the midfield or, you know, I wonder what that means. But Which, I mean, true, but I think now, I mean, I think Milner now is starting to get to the point where it's, 
Because let's, let's face it, like we, you, you talked about it earlier with that speech you gave against Bournemouth. Like this guy, I, I hope when he's done playing, they just bring him on as a coach and he sticks around because everyone likes him and he's definitely really smart. Um, but a guy like Milner is just great because he can go out and be play pretty much any position on the field. So he can just be your ultimate utility guy. You know, he can play right back if he has to. He can play left back if he has to. Any spot in the midfield. So I think that you just he just takes a roster spot, but he really can fill a number of different number of different areas. So I still think that he will he'll see some time. Maybe he won't start, and maybe it'll just be a lot of fifteen minutes here, twenty minutes there stuff. Yeah, I could definitely see that too. Completely agree. So, all right. Well, that pretty much wraps up our episode. Um, so, <clears throat> less than forty-eight hours from now, we got the second leg against uh, Atletico. Go. Luckily, I'm working from home, so I'll be able to watch that game and uh, really get Bastard. into it. I know, and, uh, and then hopefully we'll be potting after that, talking about a nice victory leading us into uh, into Goodson Park again. But any last words for the boys and, and girls listening? Move the ball with pace against Atletico. Don't be afraid to take risks. Shoot the fucking ball. If you shoot the ball, it opens up the field. If you shoot the ball, it opens up the field for Sadio Mane, Mo Salah, Firmino. These guys need to be clinical. The front three needs to be clinical in this game. Let's go. Let's like let's go up the Reds. Yep. No, I completely agree. I want to see us come out hard in the first five ten minutes. Have a yep. lo- have a loud tackle. Let let Atletico know, hey, you're coming here. We're not fucking around. And if you want to do all this flopping shit, we'll give you a reason to flop and just run through those guys. <laughs> and the thing I really want to see is go fucking get the first goal. Because if you go get the first goal, make them come out of their shell, they're going to be fucked. So that's what I want to see. Let us go do that. Set the tone. Get a goal in the first 15 and absolutely bury these motherfuckers. Up the Reds, baby. Up the Reds. Thanks for listening. Catch us later this week. Let's go, boys.